Welcome back, everyone, to Enemies Monsters. This week, I am Violet. Oh, man. Who should I be this week? Uh, uh, I guess this week I'll be Isagi, since that's the last thing I watched. Okay. Yeah. All right. And uh, so, uh, as y'all know, there's a lot of stuff. We're not going through what we did the past two episodes. Like, it, it, it's not going to be like that. It can still be a long episode, but it's not going to be one after another after another after another. So, uh, okay, let me just get this out the way, like, real quick. Handyman Saito is on some other shit. Like, it really... I thought I was getting, like, wholesome isekai. Them niggas are, like, depravity. Comedy. Non-stop. From uh, a mushroom shaped like a dildo penis to the old wizard literally sucking it and be like, it tastes good, right? Like, it tastes really good. You should taste it. Nigga just sucking the fucking mushroom penis dildo. And I, I like, I, this shit is not what I expected from this show at all. I'm not mad about it. But holy, holy shit. That from uh, the, uh, there's a ninja who has shadow binding technique. Who goes around killing niggas. If he catches you in the desert, he touches your shadow and he kills you. So one day he touches a, a witch's shadow and she's like, I'm sending you to the demon realm, bitch. You're not killing me. Send him to the demon realm. He comes back with like one punch. You know, like the monsters from like season one, One Punch Man? Like how like defined and like <clears throat> muscular. He comes like with two of them <laughs> niggas and they're like, Aniki, let's get this bitch. Like we're going to get her. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. He touches her shadow. She doesn't expect it. Starts making out with the girl. What the fuck are we doing? What are we doing? But also, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I fucking, I fucking love it. It's so ridiculous that it's just like, it's just, it's just a really good fucking ride. So I have to get that out of the way. Handyman Saito is not what they make it seem. And that's a good thing. But okay. All right. So. <laughs> Jeez, man. Th that's not all the gags. I didn't tell y'all every gag. That that's two from one episode. There's so the third episode was nonstop comedy gags. One after another, after another, after another, and they all fucking hit and they were all super fucking ridiculous. And then at the very end, they opened up the actual story. And they were like, this is where the story story starts. So yeah. Handman Saito, it was it's great. I I, I highly recommend it for everybody. Everybody, but yeah, what have you been watching? Um, a, well, a few things. Not so this season, the uh, the expected like high quality shows are are high quality. I think my favorite so far um, is actually uh, Trigun. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I need to I need to actually watch it because after you said last week. That it's literally like remake, not reboot. Or like yeah, it's sequel. definitely remake. I mean, yeah. by the third episode, if you are if if you are someone who is familiar with the canon of Trigun, either the manga um, Trigun Maximum, which is a sequel, or the original anime, this is still a very valuable watch because it's different in a lot of ways from everything that came before. How's the CG also the holding same, up? Oh, it's great! You, it, it's good and and entertaining to watch. Um, colorful, 
a lot of like good fluid movement, unexpected things. The, the I think we've talked about how the directing in this series takes very good advantage of 3D cameras to set up shots that either feel cinematic or they feel like they are only would only really be possible um, with a 3D environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and they spent the first three episodes kind of in the same space, but even with all that, there's a lot of variety, and they change the tone and the you know color palette because the second episode, the third episode rather, takes place mostly at night, or at least half of the episode is at night, so that kind of changes everything up. But I want to get into a little bit of the um, what the differences are um, between okay. all three. So one of the big um changes is the timeline and the i guess in some way the age of some of the main characters so try so vash is presented as being a little bit younger um just like his design he looks like it yeah he's presented as being a little bit younger than he is in the anime um we haven't m- met uh millie yet instead it's mostly been focusing on the events that happened before uh, the massacre in the city of July. And so one of the interesting parts about it is that if you ever watch the original series, that, uh, so what, what happens is Vash gets to a fight with knives in July. Knives takes over his arm because, you know, of their secret back background alien you know. stuff genes. Yeah, yeah yeah so yeah. they're so technically vash uh, this is all spoilers for the original but it's I mean, important you because them like two weeks ago they yeah but yeah. but but it also because of how they've changed the order of events in this series it's actually not not spoiling much because you find this out in like episode two um okay. but knives and vash are both sentient plants so that's something you don't find out until the middle of the main you kind of get hints at it that he has some special connection with with the plants because he'll go from city to city and he'll like fix them or he'll be able to sort of communicate with the the core of the plant which is like a you know it's always presented as kind of like this ethereal thing that's powering it but you don't find out that him and knives are actually both sentient plants until about halfway through. And then you meet the gung-ho guns, which is Knives' faction of, like, crazy, super-powered killers who are all devoted to Knives in, like, a very religious type of a way. And then the latter half of of the original Trigun animated series is kind of Vash taking on the various gung-ho guns until he decides, based on things that happen in the plot, that he actually has to take, take down Knives, who he's kind of been, like, running away from for most of the series, or at least being chased by for a variety of reasons. And so that's like the structure. The first half is adventures to get to know the world and the, of, of like Gunsmoke and, and him running away. You don't know anything about Vash. Second half, you kind of learned his backstory and you know about his relationship with Knives and now it's him versus Knives in this sort of, you know, crazy, uh, in this crazy assassins who all have like special powers. In the new series... By episode three, which was the last episode, we have already been introduced to the gung-ho guns because oh. EM the Mine, who is the one of the first or second that Vash ever runs in. No, he's not the second. He's probably like the third or the fourth. Um, shows up in episode three to steal the plant again on behalf of Knives. And by the end of the episode, 
Um, Knives has himself has shown up, as have three other members of the Gung Ho Guns to take out the city. Um, mad people get killed. Like, regular civilians get eviscerated by Knives, who now oh. literally controls, like, flying blades that make like tentacles and other things and he can control them he literally rips the plant apart to get to the core and then um steals it both the dead one and the living one um which is a plot so this is another thing that's very interesting so in the manga the anime and the manga don't actually have the same ending in the manga knives is trying to absorb all of the plants that are on Gunsmoke so that he can essentially like create a arc which he uses to finish killing all the humans on the planet. And it actually happens. Like, he's able to absorb a lot of them. He creates the arc. There's a whole uh, whole, uh, uh, second storyline where some other sentient plants come from Earth as part of a response force. uh, But one of them gets mentally dominated by knives, and so it sets up, like, the final showdown of, like, Vash, this, like, angelic, like plant female who's like a you know uh, an enforcer from earth and also it brings in a lot of the sci-fi elements that exist outside the the world of gunsmoke which is very like post-apocalyptic and kind of like mad max inspired but in the manga you get this whole other introduction to like the hard sci-fi at the core of what uh trigun is because trigun is actually actually it's a hard sci-fi series it's just kind of like it the story takes a detour it's a slow build well well they, they they don't tell you a lot of information at the beginning so you don't know anything about why are there humans on this world because they let you know that they are colonists and something went wrong but other than that you don't really ever outside of flashbacks find out that there's like this big high super high-tech galaxy of humans doing things it's all super localized until kind of the end of the manga when the rest of the uh culture is exposed a bit more and there's a final showdown and and uh vash ultimately decides like not to kill knives and they go and like they live on a farm and whatever in the anime though they cut all of that like last act and instead of knives creating the arc he basically tracks down vash on the farm where he's living with Millie and, and uh, what's her name? Um, why am I forgetting? Because she's in... Whatever. But they they, they track down Vash. And uh, they have their kind of like final... Meryl. Duh. Um, they track down... They, they track him down and there's like a final fight where Vash goes off. And it kind of leave it open-ended as to whether or not there's a happy ending or, or otherwise. Mm-hmm. But there's no arc. There's no... Uh, earth plants showing up there's no none of that shit happens so in this current season by episode three of um uh, of the new trigun they've brought in a lot of elements that don't even get discussed in the anime until the the original adaptation until the kind of like the the latter half and basically it's a lot of stuff from trigun maximum mixed in early so like in this one meryl meets vash uh before the july incident Mm-hmm. They do all this stuff in the town. They move the um, the showdown with Gofsef and the and his dad. The guy, basically like the dumb cyborg that can shoot his hand. That happens very early in the original, but it all happens after July. By the end of this third episode, they've destroyed the town. Knives has taken two of the plants. We've basically been introduced to most of the gung-ho guns. One of the gung-ho guns has already been killed, um, which 
I mean, that's that's a big change. E.G. the Mind doesn't really die until like the tenth or eleventh episode, and it's part of a big thing with uh, many of the other um, mercenaries who are trying to kill Vash. In fact, in the in the anime and the manga, E.G. the Mind kills two of the gung ho guns that Vash already beat by the time he meets him. So the fact oh. that they've they've taken that character, taken that showdown, and moved it, and those it, other two are still alive in theoretically, or or I mean, I'm assuming they are because, but I haven't looked at like the uh, uh, the casting list to know if they're even going to show up in the series or not. Like, I, I don't know. But the and I always said before in episode one, they got a tease of Nick of uh, Nicholas Wolfwood um, already in dis- somewhere in the world because the camera pad pans past a. Like a truck or a transport that looks like it's got the the big um, uh, coffins that he carried around that have all yeah. his like weapons and shit in it. So we so that's they already teased that, and again, that's a character you don't meet till much later in the story. And then at the end of episode three, he he you know the, the town's destroyed. All the people are kind of like they're sort of blaming him for bringing knives there and fucking everything up. And then it, the episode ends on. Vash telling Merrill that he's going east to the city of July, so which still exists. So clearly, they've reordered a lot of the events so that probably the destruction of July is going to happen. And they even teased it in this episode so it'll be by like having the mid-season climax or something like that. Right? Exactly. I have, or or maybe it's early. I mean, at this point, I could see them kind of skipping a lot of the the character development with like Millie and Meryl and some of the side stories mm-hmm. and moving up the conflict with uh with knives and the gung-ho guns to be the meat of the series which would leave time if they want to go do like the arc and some of the and the earth plants and all that other stuff to show up in like a 24 episode series and not have it feel like rushed um they could do that which I think is very interesting because now if you put all three stories together, the original manga, the anime, and the first anime, and now this the second adaptation, all three of them are different. Okay. All three are different from each other. So I think it's super cool. It means that you don't really, even if you're a fan and you're very familiar with like Trigun lore, Trigun, you know, storylines, the manga, the anime, you could watch this and still be surprised. Because you don't necessarily know where they're going with it. Okay. Well, then that's good. I mean, at least they're experimenting with it and not just being like, we're going to follow the manga exactly, and that's it. Yeah. Which, and I even, mean, that does it, work. Yeah. Brotherhood, like Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood. That does work also. Which, they probably took... They probably did something different. I didn't even know, but... Well, remember what Brotherhood did? It was to give time for all the stuff that was in the manga. They basically just skipped the first two arcs. Mm, right because okay. because you just because yeah. brotherhood starts with them already in uh the capital right yeah, but in the yeah, but yeah, in the yeah. original anime and in the manga there's a bunch of shit that they, they meet the uh homunculi before they get to the capital like there's a whole um there's like two arcs or arc and a half between that so they start there um having already become state alchemists and that was a way because brotherhood was was 50 was was it 52 episodes it was in the fifties, yeah. Yeah, so Brotherhood got the two, the traditional two season treatment, and that they still kind of had a lot of material that they cut, both at the beginning and in, in some of the middle, to make mm-hmm. all of the stuff in the manga really fit into that. So I actually kind of like the idea 
of what they're doing with Trigun Stampede because it feels it feels like the rebuild of Evangelion in, in a way where it's the original creators involved. It is bringing in elements that were not included in the original, uh, or I am assuming anyway, that's yeah. bringing in some elements that are that based on like time and everything else. So in a way, it's more faithful to the original story, but it's also kind of getting remixed. And I also like Vash's physical redesign. Like he he still has like the hair, but the hair is more natural looking. It's like a very twenty twenty three fuckboy haircut, which I like. Actually I think it, it he does it look fits like a fuckboy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's cool. Like it, it it's if if the fuckboys were actually as cool as they thought they were, that's what they would look like. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm I'm feeling it. Cool. So what did you think of Giant Beasts? I had a lot of fun in episode three. Yeah. Um. So we've gotten out of the city. And they honestly, I, I didn't expect them to pick up the rest of the cast this fast. Well, um, they don't have a lot of time. That's the thing. It is. Oh, yeah, I think we talked 12. about this last time. It's only yeah. twelve. So in retrospect, it kind of it. They probably have to, even if, even if it's yeah. not. Like even if it means that you gotta like jam a lot of shit together. Um. But in episode three, I think my favorite stuff was all the chapeau stuff. So like when we meet the other cat person, and it's, but they've got a dog on their head. Oh my and so god! That moment yeah. where she's like, the, <laughs> he hit him with a nyan nyan. He was like wan wan. It's like okay, so are the animals mind controlling these clones now, or like what the fuck is this? It's it's weird, but I like it. Yeah, it is weird, and I feel like they have knowledge of. The world, mm-hmm. um, more so than you know, the people are the humanoid, are the what the humans, the lycanthropes talking. They have more knowledge than the average person because he definitely knows about the ring that he gave twenty two. What the, whatever her name is, Kumi. Yeah, Kumi. Yeah. yeah. I also really like now that I caught up the like the little side plot with the flower lady actually being an ex paladin. And Which is the, cool. Yeah, that was cool. And then the old guy like being there, and she's like, "I'm not doing this shit. Like, you, you get out of my shit. You go deal with it. Like, I'm, I'm chilling here." And then even the fact that they didn't even have to speak on it when he asked her, like, "Oh, do you know where they're at?" And she was like, "Oh, yeah, they got taken." He's, she was like, "Here, take these, these, this plant and eat this." Mm-hmm. And nothing was said. It was just like a quick little flashback. Flashback. He knew what it was. She knew what it was. It's like that's some paladin shit. That exactly. And that's all I needed. I didn't need them to be like her backstory is tragic, and you'll never see this character again. It's right. like no, like we we got what we needed out of her. We're moving on with the Lycanthrope Village. I thought that was cute. I also thought it was. I like how they're doing the world building, how they're just like, they're just throwing it in there. They're throwing like random stuff at us, like a bit by bit with the little girl being one of the only female lycanthropes. And then also that she can, she has like a special power because at one moment I was thinking, I was like, is she a natural born maiden or what do they call them? Cleric? Uh, uh, shoot. What, one of those it's like clerics, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, oh, can they be naturally born? Do they not have to be like, um, like created? Yeah, it's clerics, but, yeah. but she wasn't. She was just, you know, a little girl with special powers in a primarily like male dominant village, which made me think, like, oh my god, like the women in that society are ran the fuck through, probably. But well, you that's know, besides the point. They... 
they that, they, they didn't go that mad. dark, but it's possible. Yeah, <laughs> but they all. I mean, they made it lighter. How they were just like you know, everyone in the village raises everyone. Like it's not just a oh, that's an orphan, and we you know we don't we don't fuck with that kid. It's an orphan ill. So I like that. Um, I like the I saw the what's my call that you were talking about last week the the three eyed ones or when he saw his the the thing where his partner died and also yeah. the fact that. The guy who told him to like run or like leave her showed up in the city with his cleric, but they didn't cross paths. Right. So they're building something up with that. And then they're also the red eyed beasts are not common. Right. That's become that's also a thing that's being like stated recently. So I'm I'm interested to see like what's gonna happen. Like where are we going overall? Because typically I would have thought homegirl from the castle would have ran into him or some shit by now and been like, you're my rival or like, I know who you are. You deserted, blah, 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 or something like that. That's probably coming. But with the pacing with how fast they picked up homeboy, I was thinking that like she would be out in the field already as opposed to just like still in the castle. But overall, it's, it's, I think by the end of it, it's definitely all going to make sense and it's going to be great and stuff like that. But like currently I'm just like, okay, we're world building. We'll still like, you know, we're getting there. But is the entire last half going to be like action, nonstop, 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 nonstop? Or is it going to be high, low, high, low, high, low, high? Which either way, I'm fine with it. I'm just not really sure where we're going. Yeah, this is not a series that really leans too heavily into its own hype. Um, mm. you know, one, I think I said this the last time we chatted about it, but there is a concerted effort to do consistent world building, even yeah. sometimes at the expense of the sort of speed of the plot or just getting to getting to whatever the next step is. I think like in episode two, they kind of took a, a little bit of a detour because they deliberately separated all of the characters from each other. And so you had to have the moment of Jiro, like, so, um, you know, when Jiro realizes that his spear is somewhere else and he's like, ah, fuck. And then he has to like, go back, look for them. They're not there. Now we, the audience already know what is the fate of yeah. Kumi, right? But we also know that it's kind of part of the plan to like get Jiro to reconnect with because he was out. He was like, "I'm fucking, I'm done." So one of the so because the show sometimes takes its time outside of just getting to the next major plot point, it it leaves all this space to do subtle and sometimes not so subtle intrigue and world building, which is hard to do. And in series that are much less confident in, in you know, whatever they got going on, uh, you don't see it as much. It tends to get glossed over. That's kind of where plot holes pop up. So you can imagine, right, that in a worse show, Jiro loses his spear, and then we don't get the inter- like the interstitial scenes of him waking up, realizing it's not there, going up the hill, realizing they're not in the ship, going back to the city, asking around, finding yeah. the woman who's a paladin, getting the wink of the nod, the setup, him going onto the ship. Like you don't get any of that. He would just teleport onto the ship to get onto his, the ship. Yeah. To get his spear back. And that is a that's a choice to do that with the time that you Honestly, have. Honestly, that reminds me of Fina. Fina did that yeah. shit all the time. Uh, the problem with Fina that was, was how it ended. Yeah. That that was that was the issue. A lot of people had very high hopes for that series in the last three episodes. Like, what the fuck is this? 
Yeah. So it's it's always a possibility that could happen. The other thing I like is that they are constantly evolving a B and a C plot at the same time, which mm. is important so that you could when you get done with one set of characters or you're kind of like over it or we've seen enough, you can switch over to another set of characters. And they're characters. making the scientist <clears throat> dude very interesting. I'm very intrigued on like how involved he is with the experimentation, the creation of Kumi. What the fuck is he eating right. regularly? Where right. are they? Why are they? Why are they not chasing them? Like all the kind of stuff. He keeps giggling and laughing, which means he definitely knows way more. I mean, he definitely knows more than we do. But like, what does he know compared to the main cast that makes him so calm about all right. the situations that's going on? And the central question <clears throat> still has not really been answered. And maybe, you know, and I, it's funny because they might not wind up answering is like, why are the giant beasts attacking it with more frequency? Because that's sort of like the giant beasts. Because they were saying, <clears throat> right. Yes, true. Yeah. They were saying the aquatic ones don't even fuck around with humans. They just they just exist. So, yeah. Yeah. And they gave us sort of more of the mythology around what's going on. Oh, the, you know, the human soul, the whatever from the gods, and da, da, da. And it's like, maybe that's true. I, I doubt it's going to be that simple. So that's like a, so that's well, like I part of the... Well, I saw church, and I already immediately hopped to the, the, the nope, y'all didn't tell me <coughs> the real story. We are like, here we go. It's probably one of the main reasons why Homeboy left. The evil like, church is a, is a the very common... Is- but we don't know what's going on with the Imperial family, because th- see what I'm saying is like, the princess is off... Like, she shows up maybe once or twice an episode to get a update and to worry on camera yes. about what the fuck is going on. Kirisu is, like, cackling in the back, like, ooh, yes, uh, all according to plan, or I don't give a fuck, <laughs> whatever whatever, <laughs> the, whatever the difference is. you get, And then you get the comic relief with those two officers who are with him, which I think is, they're, they're, they're actually like kind of funny to me. And then the main cast and them sort of, like, Right now, it's they're just trying to escape, but I presume we'll be introduced to some real destination <clears throat> for them by the mid-act so that we kind of have yeah. a direction for, like, what are they doing other than getting to know each other? Because that's all and that's really happening right now. What is a group goal that they're all going to rally around? Correct. So those, these are things we don't know, but they're also kind of slow playing it to let us get to know a lot of these characters and their flaws as well as their... You know what? What's cool, and we've had some action or some like dramatic scene in every episode, so that's enough to like and keep my interest. But, honestly, you know. the action is very efficient. They yeah. show what they need to show, and that's good enough for me. They don't I, show I, just like him popping up and like the monsters down beh- behind him. They give us a I little like, like you the know, visual. little acrobatic, like yeah, here and there, yeah. and then he pops it. It's like cool, thanks. But also I, that makes sense because he's a seasoned paladin. Yeah, and I like the visual of, like, the spear extending into the, like, very Sun mm. Wukong-like, but, like, it's inside the monster, and oh, then it, yeah. it extends. And I'm like, that's fucking cool. And I don't need to see that all the time. So they give it to you in little bits, but, like, it's going to be fun when he matches up against another paladin. It's going to be fun when they have to do some one-man army shit or whatever, maybe at the end. I don't know what the finale might be. So I'm having a good time. Yeah. It's But it's not, like, a hype monster and mm-hmm. even like the soundtrack is kind of designed to be a little more relaxing, even when there's like tension and crazy stuff happening. It's really more like it's wondrous what's going on rather than, oh shit, someone's about to get their ass kicked. 
Um, so I like it. I said I've been enjoying it. And I'm I I want to know the story. The story is keeping yes. me engaged in what is going on. Agreed. Um, did you watch Tomo, Chan? I did not. I did not. Okay. We'll, what did you think we'll, of it? We'll we'll catch up to that at a later. Okay. Date. Great. 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 Is this is this getting better and better? We'll catch up to that at a later. Date. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What you think of Kaina? Uh, well, kind of just like it's almost the same as Beasts of Ours, just a, a different presentation. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think a lot happened as far as like moving the story along. I think it was more world building and uh, like being introduced to the differences between like what the canopy people think and then uh, actually the political climate <clears throat> of the Snow Sea. So. Yeah. I like that part. I actually, I'm very much so, because, I mean, we're doing world building anyway. Like, let's go all the way. I want to know why are the bugs, like, where the bugs are getting water from somewhere. Where are the bugs getting water from? Because those eggs were, like, fluid. Like, they weren't, like, you know, hard-shelled, like, encased thing. They were, like, aqueous substances. So... That, like, as soon as she fell into the egg and shit like that, I'm thinking, they have problems with water, and there's, like, a cave full of, like, human-sized eggs full of liquid. Where the fuck are you getting that? And how, like, and... I I, I don't know. I just feel like the bugs are going to be important. I don't know how. I don't know why. Because they also say that the bugs are the ones that fix the canopy when there are holes in it, too. So... I, I, I'm probably just grasping at shit now, but no, I, no, like, no, those things are they for some. It's not that the show is moving slow. It's just that when I think about like Knights of Sidonia and like how that went, I'm thinking I'm like things that you would normally not pay attention to definitely fucking matter. So I'm no, like 100. percent I'm just just like ah, uh, what is that? Nope. What is this? Okay, like I, I know better now because I didn't watch um, Blame. I've never seen Blame before, but like Night to Sidonia, there was a lot of shit where I was like, oh, I remember. Oh, okay. So, so now I'm like actively paying attention to what is this? What do they know? What do I know? And what am I observing as far yeah. as like, the show? And that's a, that's just a hallmark of, you know, of the, this kind of storytelling, which I would say, so kind of is cool because it has a very, very small cast. And yeah. so... It's one of the types of series. Trigon kind of falls into this category. I hope Beasts of Ours gets there, but it, it's that where the you know the cliche in writing where they're like the city is the is a character. Oh in, yeah, in China and in a lot in the blame and in Knights of Sidonia, the world that you know the stories take place in is also kind of a character, and. Obviously, there are in episode two. We kind of see what happens when um, you know Kaina has to contend with the fact that there's more to the world. Like he's still a more or less a child, so and his... acting like a teenager, right? Right. So it's not so the fact that he that he found another human and it's a girl is f- exciting to him because he doesn't didn't grow up with anybody his age yeah. and also he's a teenage boy and you know this person is just super um ex- interesting to him for all the reasons a teenage boy would be interested in anything um but the again that because the cast right now is so small everything feels very intimate 
including mm. learning knowledge about the world because you always learn it in the context of how this tiny community of people relates to it so all the stuff with the bugs and the rules about you know moving around on the canopy and the dangers that are there and the even as something as small as like when Liliha gets um her protective gear put together right mm. by the old women but they managed to turn what was essentially a, a joke about them making her a wedding gown wedding dress I- yeah. into something that actually is kind of touching because you realize that they don't have very much and they haven't been able the, the i forget who said it but one of the older women said that uh you know they, it was in the context of it being a wedding gown but what they were really saying was that like we have nothing or nobody to pass on you know uh anything as like a woman to right yeah. like because it's just kind of is their child collectively it's a, the you know and and this was exciting for them because it's like when someone who only had boy children thinks about what it would have been like to have a daughter exactly yeah so like everything about that was endearing but it was also grounded in what is the reality of living on the canopy like so that was cool and yes there was a ton of world building in this episode including the sort of i won't call it a fight but the struggle against the giant bug because they tell you they 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 the 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 script tells the audience ahead of time that like yeah there's bad shit if you fall in there and it's not like they're going to be on the canopy long enough for this to play out later so it kind of had to happen right now that like oh lily has fooling around outside and then she trips and falls and instead of like just falling to her death immediately (laughs) manages to slide into the the crevice with all the eggs they get the showdown so then kind of gets to do something cool by like sort of kind of rescuing her but he doesn't like kill the bug himself the bug like fucks itself up by slamming into the just tree and a fu- yeah. yeah but there, it felt genuinely dangerous it felt like here's a reminder that this is a very and hostile the little, environment the green sperm whatever thingy, that is whatever a- it is Appears to them, yeah. The green mushroom. There we go. Green mushroom. There's a lot of lot of awkward mushroom action happening in this season. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but that happens. But but uh, for me, the heart of the episode was really the sort of the end, or really the middle to the end, when it's very clear that this is about goodbyes and it's about the elders in the village just letting kind of go, and yeah. on the understanding that he's never going to see them again, or at least as far as they're concerned. And they didn't even make it that big of a deal. I mean, no. it was it was it was important, and it was definitely sentimental. But it wasn't like a whole oh, someone's crying. He doesn't know what he's gonna do. Blah blah. blah. It kind of was just like a you need to go live your life. You yeah. can't just stay here. Yeah. So, and uh, you know, they I like that there was at least a little bit of conflict about that because before they know anything about Lilyha's situation, they're kind of dreaming like oh. Maybe kind of doesn't have to be alone when we're dead. Like he can have this girl, and they continue things on. And then the, there's a scene where the the uh, sign guy, whatever the the sign reader, he pulls everybody aside. They obviously don't show you what they talked about, but he interrupts them talking like that to be like, "Hold on now, I don't know about all this." And then they're when they gonna come back, die, and then you expect them to continue through incest? Like no. I don't. Know. I don't know what he said, but by the when they came he back shut out, shit down. yeah, everybody was on the same page that Kinda's got to leave, and it's time, and he shouldn't have to worry Oof. about us, and we're not going to put this on him. And then you have like the sad goodbye, and then they 
start making their way down. Which and he has a laser gun, which is oh very my god! Yeah, I didn't think that I, when I saw them doing it at the end of the episode, I was like, "That's just a laser." I was like, yeah. "Oh, okay." But another thing that I noticed was sign guy told kind of make sure you read aloud. That was my favorite line in the whole thing, where he's like, "Don't forget to read." And I'm yeah. Like, that that was to important. me it was personally touching. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. I feel like that's going to be important because um, Lilia didn't really respond to like the sign guy or reading or anything like that. So I don't particularly know if that is a, a thing in the snow scene. Like, it doesn't sound like it was. It sounded like she expected that he was a sage. As soon as she was like, I'm not the sage. She's like, all right, bet. And it was like, yeah. <laughs> she detached. Detached. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, got to get to the sage because he's going to save all my, all my niggas. Um. So yeah, so I again I think the world building aspect is strongest in this series, and it kind of feels like the world is a as a character because it yeah. sounds because like even all the information about what happened to get us to where we're at right now is probably going to be delivered through things that are found in the world rather than some character just like doing exposition unless they find like a working computer or something and it, with like an AI and it starts talking to them, which I would love if that happened, yeah. but. If it did not, that's fine. We're going to learn a lot through context clues. So I've got my eyes open, too, to figure out what the fuck is going on. Because we're already doing the blame slash Knights of Sidonia thing where, like, a shrunk you have this, like, shrunken society that's, like, lost all of the knowledge or a lot of the knowledge about History, the past. And then, yeah. and then especially in blame, where you have this juxtaposition of, like, people who are literally hunting with spears and then, like, super high-tech technology that's around them that they just oh, so don't that even was, that was in blame also okay. well what happened in but in blame because so you have the earth the earth gets mysteriously covered over by this dyson sphere that keeps building new layers around itself until it even they said that in the series it's gonna in, envelop the sun like mm. of the solar system so like people are trapped in the layers that go on as far as they know forever and it's a system that could be controlled by humans, but there are now no longer any living humans that have the genetic mm. code that would allow them to oh. take control of the system to stop it. So it's been an unknown amount of time since that started happening. And it's so the different building and building. Okay. Right. And so now all these, there are these like protocultures of humanity that are trapped at different parts of each layer that have basically reverted you know, either they to they tribalism. Have, yeah, either they're tribal or like they're incorporating some technology, but they're mutated in some way, so they're not really fully human, mm. or they're cyborg, and they're all in hiding from the system, which controls these like robotic killer killing machines. That if anybody tries to fuck with the barriers between the different layers, they get instantly targeted and annihilated by kill robots and. The, the story of Blame is uh, there's a character named Killy who we are not really sure, but he has the privileges of a one of the like the, the administrators, a killer robots. Yeah. And he finds a girl who uh, it appears like she has the uh, correct DNA to actually interface with the system. And so they kind of are on a journey penetrating through all these different layers to get to a 
is a place called, I don't remember the name, it was like Zero Point or whatever, where they could theoretically turn it off. Turn off the oh, killer robots. Oh, okay. But there's a, but it's like bleak as fuck. Like, it's not a, it's not a happy series. Like, there's fuck, <laughs> so much fuck shit happens in there. Like, it's gross. It's like, all the enemies are these like half-human cyborgs. There's like, full, there's also like fully robotic rogue groups that are, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. I read the manga, and the manga is like one of the the bleakest things I have ever read in my life. But but the point I was making is in that series, these proto cultures of humans, like there's like the fishers, right? So like that group of people, they live in an area where there's like water, but there's also they also like hunt in the gaps between the wall and when you see them they are you know they're wearing like leather scraps and they don't have guns they've got spears but then the environment around them is this like high fantasy uh, high high sci-fi like ziggurats and dark tunnels and like you know glowing things and everything else but they're just super proto humans so it's a that juxtaposition is i feel it in kind of when you've got like patched together like snowsuits that seem to be made out of like leather and old shit and then yeah. he's just randomly gifted a laser gun but nobody knows that it's a laser gun it's just this like and also that they hid the fact that it existed from him the entire time right like it just felt so much like blame even the idea of the canopy being around the earth is like the dyson sphere around the earth like yeah. it's kind of remixing a lot of the okay. same ideas so i think that's just cool all right. Um, so I watched Revengers episode three. Mm-hmm. I really like this series. I think that um, each episode is giving us more of the all the characters. And I one thing I like the most about Revengers is that the uh, the main cast or the main supporting cast are already they already have a history with each other. They're already part of a group. So. They don't, they like each other, sort of, but kind of everyone is is on edge with each other in some way or another. So, um, people, I don't know, I don't know how to, how to quali- quantify it, but, like, sometimes groups of characters don't actually have any chemistry because they are, like, a collection of ideas. They're not actually, like, well-developed in any oh, way. Oh, okay. But, but in Revengers, everybody, not only do they have a role... But they also have, like, a life outside of that role. And then they have their own independent relationships with each other. And it's fun to not only go through the episodes and, like, get the cool kill or the assassination mission and, like, that stuff. Which can be hype as of episode two. um, But also look at the tension that all of them have with each other and their relationships. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's dark. Sometimes it's, like, uh, aggressive or, or, or emotional or whatever and the world that they're slowly building up around all of them is like i like it i think it's just colorful and and but also deadly and chaotic yeah so i don't know have you did you watch episode three or are you no i'm still on episode one for them okay so we'll come back around to that yeah um what else have you been watching my channel so i caught up on fucking Eminence in Shadow. <laughs> oh man! How far back? Wait, which episodes were you? What was? Where did you start? The the last episode that I had seen before I had caught up, I was six episodes behind. 
Oh shit! So you got so, the whole underground. Uh... Oh man, the sanctuary! <laughs> I just gotta say, I, I love this show. I love this show. Like I didn't, I didn't know what I was missing out on. By being <laughs> first of all, the first thing, one of the first things that I see <laughs> when I come back into the fucking show is the um the, the boobs fall off. No, not the boobs. That was one. That was one thing. Um, uh, the the hot the hot the hot bath scene. Oh, you did, oh the the hot bath. Yes, the towel slap. I, the towel slap. The towel I was slap. So confused, and the fact that it comes back later on after she talks to her sister, she's like, "I'm gonna go take a shower," and then, and then you did, hear it in the background. Oh, she did and she it does right. it several times, and I'm like, "This show is just." Yo. It's just, it does not give a fuck. It doesn't give a fuck. It doesn't, I love it. I love it. It's a weeb fantasy come to life. Chuni fantasy come to life. I don't even care about the power gap with him and everyone because he himself and the supporting cast are so entertaining. They're so fucking entertaining. But also the fact that all of that sanctuary shit I honestly was like getting anxiety because I was like, wait, you're like, they're, they dumped a shit ton of info. Like within those like two to three episodes when they got in there, I was just like, bruh, like, what the fuck is all this? Like, wait, Olivier, you're relate, you're the descendant. What is possessed? Blah, 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 blah. But then also shit started making sense as it went further in, all kind of shit like that. But leave it to Sid to follow up with what he did during the school attack. The moment that they were like, oh, it's absorbing our magic. I was like, this is gonna find a way. He's gonna find a way. He's gonna find a way. He's gonna find, he's, he's gonna find a way. He's gonna do it. To the point where he was just like, yeah, I can tank hits. They just don't have to hit vital shit. Like, that's okay. And he was like, all I have to do is conserve my magic and solidify it to a point where it can't be absorbed anymore. Cause it's too dense. Like, it doesn't even have to make sense. It does. You just, because you knew the whole time that he was doing something. Because he something. started out, he had one eye closed basically the entire time that he yes. was yes. he was down there. Which, and, that you know, right eye was just like, huh? Right. I'm and like, he was, your eye closed, nigga? And they were doing a lot to, like, bait you, the audience, um, into knowing that something was going to happen. But it really yeah. wasn't clear what was going to happen. So the, that's yeah. that. Uh, listen, listen, kids. That's called uh, writing anticipation. Okay, it's one of the most uh, basic things that you can do to drive interest when you don't really want to do a lot on screen. For some reason, uh, writers have a lot of problems doing this. <laughs> that's why when someone complains, I can't comment because I'm not a writer, so I know about I like, oh, that was an ass pull. That was an ass pull. The reason you feel that way clues. is when, yeah, is when something like abrupt happens in a story and there's no real explanation for it. Is that you feel that it's unearned because it literally isn't earned. But if you are told something's gonna happen, something's gonna happen, something's gonna happen, something's gonna happen. Eventually, even if the thing that happens is absurd or is an ass pull, you'll forgive it because you got built up into wanting it. At yes. some point, you didn't even care what the <laughs> thing was. It. That's a great way to put it. I wanted it. I yeah. was waiting on it. Yes. And that yes. was basic. Also, the fact that it was like magic, like circuits, like fucking fate. I'm just like, bitch, 
did you it, was that a magic circuit in his arm like what the fuck is that and of course and then he does the whole thing and i'm just thinking why i feel like this is like a chuny moment like i feel oh, like it's uh, a yes, the, moment. yes like he he did that shit from regular earth like i know some remember, remember what sid said when he came in he was like okay what setting are we in he was like, oh, oh, it's this kind of a story. What would be the yeah. coolest thing to be able to do? You know, it's to, it, it, you know, I he figured the, it out. Emiya, Shiro, Emiya, Emiya, Shiro. That's what that yes. nigga chose. Yes. He chose that shit. I will say, though, I love the action scenes so much because they are, they do everything so fast and so intense where I don't need, I don't need a drawn out scene. I'm just like, Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit! Done, and it's like okay, all that happened. My God, when when fucking what is it? Delta? It Delta? When yeah, Delta was fucking one, fighting. Yeah. Oh my God! I was like, I don't even need a backstory. I don't care anymore. Like the fact that they showed her fighting in one scene, in the next scene, like she's damn near stripped bare. She took that like one little sliver and like put it around her like fucking nipples and shit like that. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, fans are like, duh. A piece of a modesty clothing is what was yeah. included there. That's and I was it. like, you know what? I get it. But also, they gave us fan service with Sid. They gave the gays and the girls something with Sid because I was like, the body's ripped. So like, someone got something from that. I the conversation it. about the Excalibur. <laughs> he's talking about that his own was dick. Amazing. He I was like, "Oh yeah, uh, I haven't even unsheathed my whole." <laughs> like, okay, okay, okay. Oh. Got her hot and bothered in the uh, hot tub. The slap in the, in the oh. Like, okay, okay. okay. I was like, "What is thing. this man doing? What that's did the, I just watch?" I. That's the thing, though. I have those same questions, but at the same time, I'm just like. Oh, he's just so un- unabashed and like just like he stands in his shit, like ten toes down. He stands <laughs> like, in his yeah. shit. Uh, yeah, that that is the understatement of a lifetime. Like he won a hundred toes down. This thing is not doing nothing. He don't want to do nothing else but being like I'm doing this shit. I'm going all in on what the fuck I want to do. So that to Delta, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, she's just going to keep fighting until they show that huge-ass fucking Claymore, and I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Like, I'm just, like, I just, I, this is just cool. Like, I, what the fuck else am I supposed to say right now? It's, he had the, he had the bad bitch army, you know, ready and waiting. That we have, we've only seen glimpses of. Like, we've yeah. only seen Alpha really do anything. I think we talked about this sort of the beginning of the season, but the concept of... So you've got this, like, big supporting cast of fan service bait. And there's, like, different ways you can go about, you know, putting that kind of a concept into a show. A lot of times what happens is each character is about... Is supposed to be one-dimensional, right? Because they're embodying some trope or they're embodying, you know, some cliche that fans like... Yeah. You know, oh, this is the ditzy girl. Oh, this is the battle uh, raging monster. This is the self-conscious one. This is the intellectual. This is the whatever. And then you sprinkle another stuff, the sundere, yandere, all that other stuff in there. And that that is about as far as most series will go with the, with the idea. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I think you pointed out before, and then I've also noticed it and we've talked about it, is this idea of giving just enough at any given time that you want more 
from these supporting characters, independent of whatever the rest of the story is, because they're either very funny, right? There's like recurring gags that you wanted to see play out. Mm-hmm. They are presented as powerful and powerful enough to create moments that make you go like, oh shit, that's cool. But nobody ever really overstays their welcome because they're yeah. able to cycle through that that supporting cast enough um, and even give them things to do that exist outside of their interactions with the main character that it always feels fresh when, say, Epsilon pops back up into the story or Gamma comes into the story or uh, Zeta comes into the story or the princesses come into the story because they're never really there long enough for you to get sick of them or to really think about how shallow the character might actually be once you strip away a lot of those tropes and gags and other things. Like, do I believe that the uh, Delta character has some deep and rich inner life that we need to explore? No. And that because we're not getting that, she's a... No. no. She is a pile of cliches, but you only get her in a small enough doses where it's like, I'm not going to see anything from this character for another like five or six episodes. But when they show up again, oh, I'm reminded, I really liked the last time they were on screen doing anything or having a moment or being the butt of a joke or carrying the story forward, whatever they were doing. Like, Beta is a perfect example because her whole, uh, uh, the, the conceptually, who, who she is to the plot is just like a, kind of a narrator. Like, she's, yeah, she yeah, knows yeah. kind of everything that's going around. She's got a get, like, one gag, which is her plagiarizing all of, um, Sid's anime weeb stories. And just being, you know, infatuated with them like all the other girls are. But what they do is that they'll pair her off with other characters that she can play against. And then when you're sick of her, like her feuding with, uh, what is it? What's the, what's the girl's the name? Princess, the princess, yeah. Um, uh, Alexia, bitch. Alexia. Yeah. When, when, uh, when, when she's done, like, taunting or, like, picking on Alexia for being more more hot or whatever it is their thing whatever they got going on then she's off screen and you don't need to you don't need to see or hear from her until the next time it's relevant to both the, the story overall, and her how they're gonna use her as a pawn alexi as a pawn and things or, like that. right exactly and you maybe get like 30 seconds and then we're on to something else you don't nobody overstays their welcome and that's usually a big problem with series that are so wrapped up in being pure and doing I, too much. Yeah, because you because yeah. you'll be like, okay, I I don't hate this character, but like they're not adding anything, and we're wasting a lot of time with them. Here, they're just like, oh, you think this is funny? Really funny? Okay, we're done. Next one. Oh, you think this is good? You think this is cool? All right, we're done. And they do that a lot to kind of keep you keep the story moving, keep the energy moving. They don't sit in jokes for a really long time. Um, so it's just a, it's good, it's good pacing. Um, and these characters are just fun to be around in short bursts. Cause I, you know, like Alpha, if you had to spend, if this whole series is about Sid and Alpha and their relationship, it's like, that would get old pretty quick. And then you'd be, be wanting old. to see somebody else. Yeah. But so I thought the whole thing with the sanctuary and I'm also up to where they're at with the tournament right So now. I was going to ask you about the tournament. Because this might be one of the funniest things that they have ever done. Oh, with homegirl cracking her neck? There is so much to be pulled out of this that I don't even know where to start. (laughs) (laughs) I don't... It's like the tournament itself is a parody of tournament arcs. Every 
every part of yeah. it is a parody. Gold the fact that gold, he named blah blah blah. Yeah, didn't he name himself like av- something average man or whatever? Yeah, like, and then also the antagonist is named Perv Asshat. The Perv Asshat is my absolute. I, actually I had to thought, reread the translation again because I, I, I was like, I thought I got troll subs. I was like, no, no way. The name is Perv Asshat. It is one hundred percent. And then the his next name. episode. She was like, I'm going to go meet my fiance, Perv Asshat. And I'm Perv like, Asshat. And I was just, what? I, I, I was trying to figure out if I had like, uh, something had gone wrong. I got the wrong like translations. Yeah. Uh, what, what was the knight's name? Because it's also a, like a play on words Wait, in English Quentin? too. Wait, or Goldie, Goldie, the, the, Goldie. The, the Goldie one was one, but the girl, the the one who's snapping her neck. Oh, like the seventh. She's like the seventh blade something, but she's also Arianus. Uh, yeah, but like, yeah. It, oh man, I got now I gotta know. But like, all the names are puns. The entire like setup of the tournament itself and the way Sid and every other character interacts with it is of itself a. A parody of how tournament arcs tend to go like going down to like sid choosing he he looked at it he was like oh it's this scenario what would be the most satisfying to be like the weak guy that everybody you know doesn't take seriously but then slowly convinces certain people in the audience that actually he's super strong uh like that everything about it is it's just a giant joke to him but it's the same thing of how, like, the demon cult turned out to be real, even though he kind of imagined it. Like, he was trolling in the world to create the scenarios yeah. that he loved from his favorite, uh, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, his, his favorite shows. He's making up the villains and they actually existed. And right. And yeah. the same deal is that he managed to find all the people he needed for the one story so that... He- <laughs> the girls were experiments. Yes. To recreate the... Uh, he, whatever the hero. So all of them were actually cursed, or they they weren't cursed, but they all had Diablo cells. Yes, and they were failures. Yes. So why? So then, what is Alpha? Because Alpha says that she's a descendant of Olivier. So they're the all Olivier- descendants of Olivier by virtue of the fact that they're using her cells. Oh, they're using Olivier cells in those yes. girls. Yes, and they're experimenting on. So why does Alpha look like Olivier? Well, that's the question because not only does she look like her, but then now we've met a third character that claims to, or looks it looks exactly like Alpha, right? Oh that, yeah, that... yeah, yeah. The the so what? Because what I had thought, or what I don't know, I, what I was thinking was that Olivier had descendants. Or some shit like that. But then I was like, but wait, how does how is they're Alpha? All, they're this? all so what I'm getting So Alpha from was it, kidnapped and experimented on. Correct, yes. Okay. So and so so for some of them, it could be the case that they you know, we, we gotta learn more. Which is what's cool. There's actually like a a mm-hmm. fun fun little backstory that you can kinda untangle. But the the, the two possibilities are that there's a bloodline that both birthed Olivier, but also had people kidnapped through and then were experimented on because they were resistant to the Diablo cells. So they could be like super powered doing that. But the process that they were using was really shit. And so the end result is that a lot of those experiments were failures where the Diablo cells overwhelmed the, uh, you know, the, the host. 
And, you know, they couldn't get whatever they wanted. I guess this clone, perfect clone of the of the original hero who could kill Diablo. So at least that was what we thought going into the first part of that underground thing. Now, they spooled out a little bit more because of the the witch was actually Diablo's. Yeah. So it's not really clear how much of those memories are uh, can be trusted. But what we do know is that all the girls involved both have some genetic connection to the original hero and also were treated with Diablo cells at some point. Yeah. And that's what that's what we know. Um, and also going back to, I forgot what, what her name is, but her titties falling off while they're in the library. <sighs> and then being like, no one saw that. That's Epsilon. You, Epsilon. Epsilon. Man, the fact that when they first came off, they dripped, and then she sucked that shit back. That <laughs> was I was like, oh. "What am I seeing? What is happening?" <laughs> then the other time when she when they they got cut off, yes, and then yes. they came back on. She's like, "Who saw anything? Anybody see anything?" <laughs> <laughs> just it's, so, like, it's just outlandish, like outlandish, unashamedly outlandish and that that's honestly what i love about it i love the olivia fight where you took out one and homeboy was like i have a thousand hundred more yeah why not there's there's eight there's a hundred of these bitches they're all over here yeah it's like okay cute i i i liked the um the fight in the the tournament where he fought violet initially and like he literally like sliced her beam and fucked yes. up, and I was like, "Oh, this is just, this is just cool. It's just, it's just cool. I'm, I, it's just, it looks so, it looks like it's so much fucking fun. He was having fun, she was having fun. She's locked up, blah blah. blah. And I liked how they did that reveal where he saw the arm, and then his pupils, it's, it showed the arm coming closer, and then it flashed violet, and then a little bit later, like as he's saying his goodbye." it's revealed that Violet is Diablo. So somewhere in this, I'm kind of thinking, I'm like, is Diablo actually like a demon or is Diablo or is Violet, is it, do other Isekai people exist in this world or is this a world only for Sid? Like it had me thinking about that because I'm like, wait, now we got actual story going on. Like what, what, he not just like, fuck, I mean, he's still fucking around, but like the story that the girls are dealing with is actually taking more like of a not a center stage, but like it's coming into the light more. As opposed to being like, oh, Shadow Garden's doing this or they're doing that. I also like like the little economic thing where the proto. I guess they're gonna start making cars or some shit, and because like Homegirl whispered in the ear and they were like, yeah, this is approved and da da da. She was like, we'll buy all this shit. We're gonna make your city like the central hub of your country and shit like that. I'm yeah, like, there's something okay, happening is, over there. Something's yes. happening over there, but. Tournament wise, uh, oh, what is this? It's mundane. Something mundane. Yeah, mundane Um, man. Mundane man. Yes. So, (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) First of all, that. And also the fact that, like, he just has the mask just, like, sitting on his fucking bed rest, like a decapitated head. Yes. As he got out of bed. It's it's little things, little things like that. Also, I, as you said earlier, with like, they're giving it to you, so you're expecting it. I can't wait for him to fuck these niggas up. 
Yes. Like, every time he does it, I'm just like, yes. Like, please. Which I kind of was disappointed with the Quentin fight because that was the one that initially beat his ass. Well, because they he wrote it off. Him. It was just like, it happened It happened kind of off camera and then he thinks back about it when he's talking to Ann, Ann Rose. Um, he's like, oh, yeah, there was some guy whose name I forgot that got Oh, owned. okay. So he forgot him. Yeah, he forgot. Okay. He didn't even he'd give a fuck. But also he's Anne only Rose. in it for this you know the Ann Rose thing where it's like you you're underestimated gonna... me. Yeah, that's all he's there for. It's not even really about anything else. To him. It is it, which I love it. I I fucking love. I love how she's so obsessed with him now that she thinks all the like random shit that he does is helping him power. She said, up. You're not the only uh, one, and then I was like, hold on. Like, and then she does. And he's, and he's like, like oh, okay. <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever you say it's like it's almost like she has Tourette's at one moment I'm just like girl what are you doing why are you like remember when she did neck? it by herself and everybody just looked at her like yo what is wrong oh yeah the people they, they showed the people in the stands yeah like yeah 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 oh they, man they were it's, like nah bro it's so much fun <laughs> so much fun doing? I know this is gonna end crazily and I feel like they can do one more little arc or whatever I mean it's 20 episodes so what yeah six, I, don't, I don't know 16? where this is actually maybe not maybe a they're gonna finger. they're gonna whatever's going on with um Rose who's on the run from her yeah. Uh, oh yeah I forgot all about her and per- so perf asshat is definitely controlling perf the king asshat yeah, because he's drooling and shit. Yeah, and he's just drooling. And then the princess... Oh, my God. He's going to fuck the princess up. I forgot. Because he's going to meet her in the finals. Right. Oh, this is going to be so good. So there's like... St- you uh. know what I'm saying? There's like things to look forward to. But the fact that like... One... The primary member of the cast that we follow is a, a fucking goofball. But is going to do cool shit. And then the, all the other secondary stuff. They're having a real... Everybody else is having a very real exp- experience, okay? Everybody is. Down to the gambling. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, that gimmick is great. Can you, can you great. some money? He's, like, he's always God. He just disappeared. Like, oh. <laughs> or homeboy, homeboy farming potatoes being like, I'm not giving you any money, man. Oh, that was true. Right. They did <laughs> see... Yeah, he was off farming fucking potatoes. Uh, yeah, so it's just a lot of fun. I, that's all I can really say. I have, I have a good time with the show. Yeah, it's not super like deep and being like, this is the commentary on this and that. No, it's just like, no. this is fun. And I think that's one of the main reasons why I love it so much. It's just fucking fun. I watched all six episodes. At first, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch two episodes at a time, blah, blah, blah. No, all six back to back. I was like, this is so ridiculously fun. Like, I just, wow. You really, you really just did that shit. You really, say, Holy Sword, Excal- my Excalibur, the Holy Sword yes. is not unsheathed, slapping the fucking towel in the taint, like just. Ugh. So I think it was the end of episode 13 into episode 14, where like, uh, you know, he's taking the beating from, from the clone and it's like, you know that he's going to bust something, you know, Sid's going to bust some shit out. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, And yeah. they do the thing where he gets stabbed. And the they change the animation style so it's all it's just red and black on the oh, screen. Oh yeah! And then you get the zoom into his to his mouth, and then he's like he goes from like a regular face to like the grin, and then he's like gotcha. And then and the, like the flame in the eye. The flame in the eye, and you just know 
that some hot shit's about to happen, and then they cut the fucking episode. And it's like, episode over. See, I you got stop. to watch it right through. Yeah, I could The rest stop. of us were like, oh shit, this thing about to go in. Like, that's, that was, that's an experience that is hard to pull off, even when you're taking everything seriously. You're pushing like a very, um, like a high quality show. You know, a mob psycho, a, um, even a One Piece. Like, th- these are, that's a hard emotion to create inside the audience that extreme the payoff of your anticipation and then hits you with a cliffhanger and then you're like okay i want to see more i need to know what happens next that's really not easy yeah so for all the jokes that i make about this show and acknowledge the fact that it's not like a triple a production because the vinland saga is a triple a production this season no question about that try gun is a triple a production this season no question about that this is not a triple a production but they do things including that chain even just changing the the animation the red and the black contrast they don't they ever never did that anywhere else that's an artistic choice to drive home the drama of this thing and then they get hit you with the cliffhanger that is that's well paced so now if you're in your position, you're like, I'm not going to watch anymore. I got two episodes. Oh, shit. I got to watch episode 14. You're already back in. If you have to wait a week, you're waiting all week to be like, I want to know what's going on. Yeah. So I got to give them all the props for turning this very silly concept all around into something that's just entertaining beat to beat to beat to beat to beat. So it's awesome. And we got yeah. four more episodes. So yeah, hold on. It really, it really is fucking awesome. Uh, so what else? What else did you did you watch anything else? Yeah. Or, I think that's kind of like it for me. Am I forget? See. What am I forgetting? Um, Vinland Saga, great. I mentioned it before. Um, episode three is one of the harder parts of the this new story to get through because it involves Thorfinn essentially having to reckon with his complete nihilism. Like he has given up on everything in life at this point doesn't even see the point of being alive at all and then this nigga just cutting him literally just slicing at him for like five minutes in this episode and he's just doing nothing he's just like just kill me go ahead and kill me the guy cuts off part of his ear it's fucking gross you're like oh you can just like they're gonna be maiming and wounding my main character and he's just not fighting fighting back and all you want is for him to just snap and kill everybody but it's just not that story anymore. That story is oh, what? off somewhere else. I told you, like Farmland Saga, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which is what this man. is like. It's uh, it is it is fantastic. But I know that a lot of people who are coming off of season one, when they get to this part, I don't know if I would say this, but like if you were on board with Vinland Saga because it was this hyper violent, um, period piece with like kings and. The uh, lore yeah. and history and myth and this crazy main character who could just absolutely ruin people. And that was what was getting you from episode to episode was like the brutality of seeing all that. Season two is by design supposed to recenter you to make you think about all the things that you watched in season one and what kind of effect that would actually have on somebody because this is not like a this is not like a a full-on fantasy where like oh you know you just watch you know a bunch of people die everything that you believed right right no this is like a a human being experienced that 
and a human they do a big old time skip so thorfinn's like a a young adult at this point and you can just tell he's been utterly ruined by the experiences that he went through in the first season at the end of this episode he has a statement where where he's as he's being cut up because the setup is that he's working as a slave on this farm and the son of the guy who owns him is very childish and doesn't like feel respected by other men and so he's tricked into kill uh the other the the guards who are playing with him basically tell him that to become a man to be taken seriously you have to kill somebody and that he's like how do i how can i do that i'm not at war i can't leave the farm and they're like oh well your father owns slaves so you own the slaves so you can do whatever you want to the slaves and they kind of goad him into picking up thorfinn and another character anar who they don't like and just say you can do whatever you can kill them and so Thorfinn basically volunteers to be killed because he's just like, if you're going to beat on this other guy, you might as well kill me. I don't, I fear nothing. Any, I don't care about anything anymore. There's no reason for me to live. And so to make an example out of him, one of the warriors is looking at him like, I, I've seen battle. I know what it's like to be a man. You, you must feel fear. I know that you feel fear. And Thorfinn's like, I feel nothing. So this nigga is just like cutting him. And <gasps> Thorfinn's just like, he's just like, not even moving, not no expression, no noise. He's getting arm, leg, chest, face. The guy cuts his ear off. Like he's just he's just like not reacting. And the dude's getting more and more pissed off. And then he's he hits him with the like, is the reason that we're alive is just the fear of death? Is that all it is? Because I've been alive for you know my whole life and nothing good has ever happened to me. There's no reason but you know, life has a re- I have no reason. I just exist because I'm not gonna kill myself. And that part of this part of the story is a complete denunciation of everything that happens in the first season and also that the audience would have been excited for in the first season. For him to snap and be like, I'm getting your ass together. No, in fact, that's not what happens. He eventually, the the situation is broken up by the head warrior who shows up. But it's like, up until that point, you have no reason to believe that's going to happen. So you don't know what is going to happen to your main character. And the fact that he has changed so much, it's getting him back to being a human being is really the purpose of this whole arc. And there is, there is like fighting and violence and combat, but it's not, it's not meant to be cathartic to you, the audience member who was like super into the violent part. It was really like making you think about, okay, what actually happened to this child in that when he was, you know, 13 yeah. years old, what did he see? What did he experience? What actually would be the impact of those things? So I know people are going to be annoyed about, well, Thorfinn born now. He ain't killing nobody. He do whatever. But like, this is the same for you. It's for adults. Okay? <laughs> that, this is a story for adults written by adults. So if you're not about that, just, you know, whatever. But it's a high quality. Everything looks great. Visuals fantastic, um, music is great, so I'm into that. And I think I talked about Revengers is cool. Yeah, that's pretty much all I've been watching this week. I need my next project, just like um, uh, we talked about last year with um, Mushoku Tensei, mm-hmm. is going to be Bung- Bungo Stray Dogs. I am going to Whoa. sit my ass down. Have you? Because I never. It? I never get past like episode four or five in oh, season what? one. 
Because I, ah. I think that when I see clips of it, I want it to be a different show than it is. Like, it's more of like a, you know, a little bit of detective stuff. Yeah. and But there's this underlying plot. And, like, I don't... Episode 3 is where it kind of hits you that, like, it's it's episodic. It feels episodic. It's not serial. Mm. A little bit. And so I was like, yeah, oh, that wasn't what I... Yeah, the serial component comes into it the deeper you get into that's what i hear so i gotta like get get through like the maybe the first six episodes i'm sure it'll be totally fine well yeah and i also you know what that makes sense now that you say that because i think we're we're literally like inserted with the main character so like he doesn't know yes about everyone like there's a shit ton of history amongst everything that he's introduced to but he does not know it so as he learns about the histories of like how the the other like supporting main is connected right. to everyone and like the other the mafia and the detective agency and the city like that it's like okay so now i see like this is this is especially with like the second season and the movie i mean i really enjoy what they've been doing with the it's not like antagonist to allies but it's like it's they're doing like something where i'm just like okay like yeah they fight together but like they still don't fuck with each other it's like it's like um escry almost in a sense yeah <clears throat> like it has well, kind of that feeling a little bit the irony the reason why i'm like more interested in it is because after watching high card which we didn't mm. really talk too much about but like i realized that high card and bungo stray dogs are very much the same thing like there's a you know really interesting world that's out there superpowers you know there, there's some depth to it it's fun the music is great character yeah. designs really stand out it's got kind of a swag but ultimately the the core of the story is kind of built around these episodic like episodes with a underlying plot that ties things together and usually once per episode a really cool thing will happen yes. so like in season three yeah. uh, so episode three you know a lot of it was like this side story about um you know the finn is his name um i don't remember any of their names to be honest yeah 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 finn um getting his new suit and then immediately like trying to intervene in a kidnapping which then introduces chris um who ultimately turns out to be another member of high card but you you finn doesn't know that until the end Mm -hmm. and uh the the you know the guy gets lectured on like recklessly using his powers putting people in danger it's like an ideological clash he gets arrested with the kidnappers the yada 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 they wind up at a at a warehouse to do a, an exchange money for you know this guy who's been kidnapped turns out he's actually a member of high card the reason why he was telling finn to just fucking chill was because all he had to do to deal with this problem was get kidnapped Somebody from High Card would show up with a bunch of money, and his ability is to convert money into any object of the same value as the money oh. he consumes. Which is a pretty neat power, and he uses it, but like the way they set it up is a uh uh the one of the guys shows up with like the the box of cash or the the briefcase, he kicks it open, knocks it into the air, and then converts some of it into a a, a bazooka. And then just blows away the people who were trying to fuck wow so that payoff was actually really cool for some of the meandering that happened in the earlier part of the episode and then you find out that even though he's like 17 years old he's the manager of this branch and so he's the superior of both um uh finn and 
how was it leo the the guy that the the calorie dude so yeah. he's actually their superior and you could already see the dynamic of like having someone who's like super young but uh is very by the book very like you know domineering lecturing these older people and like putting them in line like that's that's like a cute dynamic they love to do that it's like the hitsagaya template from from bleach where you got like they're super young but they're in charge so like again chemistry's there cast is there it's a little episodic kind of monster of the week mystery slash problem solving there's an underlying story so i'm like if i'm enjoying high card and my problem with bungo stray dogs is that it's basically just the same formula i should just knuckle under and really give it an honest look this time so that's why i'm gonna get back around to it soon no is there any news that caught your eye there's some anime delays they don't all seem to be from the same reason near is delayed for covid but then there are a couple other series kubo and some others that are um they have their own their own problem. No, no, I'm sorry. Kubo was delayed for COVID. Near, I don't know why there is a delay. Yeah, but... I'm not watching Near anyways right now uh, because I was just like, maybe I want to play the game one day. So I didn't want to get spoiled on everything. But from what yeah. I get gather from watching the first episode, I think you'd be fine with just watching the anime because mm. Near has like seven endings. Uh, yeah, 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 that, yeah. And I don't really think that what they're covering in the anime really gets to the heart of all the complexities that's in the game. So unlike some other projects that are adapting games, that you you're not if you it's sort of like you know if you if you like Devil May Cry and they made a anime version of Devil May, May Cry one, all you're gonna do is compare the sequences that were in the game to what's in the anime. That's it. Mm-hmm. Whereas in something like Nier, where there's these twisting, interlocking storylines from multiple perspectives, it might actually be a good thing if you're not, if you never played the game, to watch the anime because that gives you like a baseline to understand what the fuck is going on. And then uh-huh. when you go and play the anim- play the game rather, and you're doing these different perspectives, in some way maybe the anime kind of centers you on the core story and then lets you appreciate, you know, the different branches that you can take a little bit more. Cause that's how I felt about. I don't know how you felt about it, but um, uh, fuck, what is the name of that series? Um, Steins Gate. Oh right? my god, I have a troubled. I just Ooh. can't do. I have watched Steins Gate, mm-hmm. but by saying watch Steins Gate, it means. <clears throat> oh my god! No, I literally remember this. Um, the video game Child of Light had come out. And uh, one of my friends was visiting New York, <laughs> visiting New York, and he was like, "I'll play this new game that you say was so cool, but you have to watch Steins Gate while I play the game because oh, it's really okay. fun." So I sat there oh. and I, I literally was just like, "I'm, I just don't." And I got to the end and I was just like, "I just still <laughs> am not, I'm not." And maybe I need to rewatch it. Maybe I wasn't like fully paying attention or was like fully invested but i got to the end of it and i was just like okay now what like what okay so like time travel and this and that's the daughter and this and i'm just like okay 
And then I know there's like Steins Gate Zero and all the other kind of stuff, things like that. So, but yeah, similar to you and Bungo, I was just like, I every time I've tried to watch it by myself, I mm-hmm. barely get past the first episode. Like barely. <laughs> like by the end of the first episode, I'm usually just like, what the? Uh, no, no, not in the mood. Not doing it. Not right I feel now. You. Yeah, the point I was basically making is, like, visual novels that then get translated into anime kind of, like, hit or miss for me. But when they're done decently, the anime can kind of be your baseline understanding of what the story Mm -hmm. is. And then that, because sometimes that's kind of hard to get out of a visual novel in one go. And I think that's by design. They do it to, you know, give you more reason to play through again and again and again is to get the whole story. Whereas, like, the anime usually has to be able to condense or clearly explain at least a few of the major plot points that would be confusing or left kind of unexplained in a single playthrough of a visual novel. So I find that sometimes it's helpful to do that first, and same for, like, some games. Uh And I would apply that logic to, um, like, the Muvlove kind of uh anime adaptations that have been out there i'll probably never play any of those visual novels but i feel like at least from the last uh the last the adaptation from last year that like i appreciated just being able to go through one of the the you know campaign storylines and be like oh okay this is the core of what's going on. This is the technology. This is, oh, he can go back in time and do certain things. This is how, like, the causality loop works. This is the what the bad guys are. This is what they're trying mm-hmm. to do. Like, okay, all that's clear. So if I then either went and watched any of the other series, even, like, Fate, right? I think you 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 would agree that, like, um, you've seen so, at least, like, Fate Zero, right? Yeah, yeah. I've seen Fate yeah. Zero, Stay Night. Um, sure. The blade works. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like those. Those are also a similar sort of situation where obviously they're leaving things out of these different routes, but they give you a good baseline for understanding what the fuck is going on, and they're also exciting to watch. So that's the the key is that they also have to be exciting to watch, and sometimes that isn't true. But I I don't know. I I feel like I can get around to. Um, I can convince anybody to get around to watching near because it looks so good. It's fun to watch. Um, but if you want to play the game first, or anybody wants to play the game first, have at it. It's just, that's a big time investment. So. Yeah. It's like that, or you can watch like t- two hours of anime and be done with it. No. no. So, uh, for me, news, they're going ahead. I mean, this isn't, this is not surprising, but Seven Deadly Sins, Knights of Apocalypse. Anime is greenlit. Um, be three episodes long. Like what? What is? No, they. It's been what two years? They got, it? Oh, time yeah. flies. Never mind. Yeah, Never it's mind. been two years. They they got material. Wait, let me see. Okay. Let me see. Let me see the debut adaptation of this twenty twenty January twenty twenty one January twenty seventh twenty twenty one. So okay. yeah, I take in that a back. few days yeah. they'll okay. have two years worth of content. So. This I'm assuming there's something to work off of. Um, it's not A1 Pictures; it's Telecom Animation, I think, doing it. Um, let me see what they've done. Though. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it not being A1 because I think a lot of people are. Yeah, 
Oh, so I'm they do Nagatoro san. Oh, they do. Oh, all so that sounds out. okay. Um Oh, they've done some of the Sengoku Basara stuff. Okay. I actually saw some um uh stuff from Sakugaboro that was from that series. I never really watched more than one episode. Oh, they ever. did Cyber Six. Yeah, no, I never watched a single episode. I like the openings, but I like the openings because they got TM Revolution. I like grind rated grind oh, there you go. Yeah, to like yeah, sing a lot of that shit. So I'm yep, just like, I'm, yep. oh wait, they did the Tower of God. Telecom to Tower of God? Yeah. Why did the studio that did Tower of God? Oh well, there you go. Telecom animation film. Oh. I think. Okay. Listen, I'm a I'm still a fan of. You know, Seven Deadly Sins as a IP now. Yeah, I just haven't read the new manga, so I can't. I, I can't want to watch the Edinburgh movie, but I kind of want to watch it when both of them are out. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've seen. I've not seen it. Yeah, it came out. It came out in December, and I have not heard a peep about yeah. it from like anyone. For I don't. I haven't heard. I mean, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not as bad as people were like screaming bloody murder about it for, but. Yeah, I mean that's that's good. That's good. They of course they announced the new Pretty Care that's coming out. Um, so that that's that's happening. Um, it's the twenty it's the twentieth anniversary. Holy shit! The twenty twenty years of this shit. They've been pretty curing for a wow. long time. They have. It's a, it's a fucking conglomerate. Well, I don't actually know how much money Toei makes from it, but if it's been going for twenty years, it must be putting a decent dent into something so or it must be bringing in a decent amount of money but yeah that's about all i have for news yeah not not too much that i uh, saw that was particularly riveting um yeah same same i i did uh wind up watching this is not from this week but like a week ago mm-hmm. the la- whatever the latest trailer was for um uh, Hell's Paradise. And oh yeah, I saw there was a second one. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I can't be more excited. Like, really? It's a very. It's such a. Tr- it's like um for me personally, there's a. I'm just gonna call it like the the there's like a traditional, um, hype cycle that I get engaged with, and usually when it's when I know that uh series that nobody uh, kind of flew under the radar, it's getting a great production, and then every little bit more that I see of it is teasing the right stuff for a broader audience. I want to know what the reaction really is going to be um, to the series. Like, I'm as excited to see that as I am the series itself. So, yeah, no news, but check it out if you haven't seen it. Well, then, another thing, now that you said that, because that made me think of this one, um, not the Grand Blue Fantasy anime, because that's just me. Ah, yes. But Grand Blue Fantasy Ray Link, bitch, looks amazing looks so good so good and they have um katana girl from um well i mean it's it's a gotcha game originally but like one of the most popular characters the pink haired katana girl with the big boobs she's in it (laughs) and i watched like a gameplay trailer and i'm just like yeah i could i could sink some time into this shit this looks just like weeb action rpg fun and the way that I'm assuming they're going to run it is they're just going to probably just add characters because, you know, they have hundreds of them now. So they'll add characters as they go. It'll be amazing. Um, 
So that that is something, and they said 2023 release date. So, so we're getting it this year. In addition to that, uh, Grand Blue Fantasy versus sequel also got announced, mm-hmm. which is uh, versus Rising. I so tried. No- I bought the collector's edition of that, or not the collector. Oh, you did. But like the, I bought the edition that came with like you know the um, art book and things like that because I like Grand Blue Fantasy as an IP. Mm-hmm. It just does not get much like. Um, global exposure outside of japan like they don't have like an app like you still have to play the game and browser if you're global um and it's just not really pushed here like other anime or just like anime adjacent ips so whenever there was something that came out for it i always was eager to get my hands on it because i'm one of them niggas that found out about it was like this looks so fucking cool and I was like, oh, there's literally, like, nothing. Like, I'd have to invest, like, hundreds of hours mm-hmm. to, like, play this game. Or I'm going to go to the wiki and read nonstop huh. about all the story and things like that. So now that I know, like, decent chunks of the story, it's all fragmented. So I, I, I'm always eager whenever they release a game or something from the IP to basically be like, I need something to pull this shit together. I need to know how the Knights of the Four are related to Gran. And mm. like the ship and things like that, or like you know, what country are they from? Um, and like just all of that stuff. I want to know how they're connected and see it play out, as opposed to just like knowing, oh, these are allies, and you know, this is his power. He's a dual wielder and ice and da da da. It's like yes, I know it, but like, what's the origin of the power? Where's the country? Where's it come from? Blah blah blah, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's why I'm so much excited for Ray Link, and that's why I bought Versus when it came out. Tried to play it. But I think it was really niche because I I like practiced on it for a bit and I was um I like the girl fuck was it the Ivy girl no not the Ivy girl the um the rap the the main girl that uses the rap the rapier whatever the fuck mm-hmm. her name is she and she has like ice projectiles she yeah. plays very similar to Jin from Blaze Blue. <laughs> She plays very similar to him. That's why I was like, oh, I like you, girl. Because Blaze Blue was like my first fighting game where I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to like, I like this nigga. Like, this nigga looks so cool. I want to get good with him. Like, I want to fight niggas. Uh, but that was before online was like, you know, as big right. as it is now. But I was practicing with her and I just kept going online. I kept getting my ass beat over and over and over again. And then eventually, I w- and like getting your ass beat while you like practice fighting games this is a regular thing like it's yes. not like oh i'm a prodigy i'm gonna be I'm a it's the rite of up. passage but yeah. the experience has to be mediated a little bit yeah think, but the thing was <clears throat> the lobbies plummeted like after a yep. certain date and That's so true people just stopped playing and like i follow the subreddit for verses and eventually it just became a ghost town like people would literally have to go to the subreddit to set yep. up matches because, because the net code was horrible. And oh, yeah. So if the, in uh, the sequel that they've announced, one of the it, you can tell when a Japanese company has like figured out that why, like they need to be competitive outside of the United States. When in the trailer, they highlight that they have rollback net code uh-huh. because the original Grand Blue Fantasy did not have it. And that severely, severely hampered the online play because, as you point out, like the lobbies plummeted because it was hard to get good connections. So people who were very interested in like getting better or people who were any good at the game 
couldn't even really play online consistently because the 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 games you would have online would not be representative of a comp- of a real See? competitive game. If you got like three frames of delay, it's like well, that, well you it might as well not even be playing. Yeah. yeah. So, Which so I feel like I tried to play not competitively, but I tried to play online because I wanted to do the ranking system, and I was like, oh, I want to see how far I can rank, blah blah. And mm-hmm. after a while, I got to a certain rank where I was just like plateauing. And so I was like, I need to go back. I need to practice combos. I need to do this. I need to do, like I need to have some shit ingrained, mm-hmm. and then go back and see how far I can climb. And by the time I felt comfortable enough to come back, it was all gone. It was gone. <laughs> yeah, it was gone. You know, Dragon Ball almost had the same thing happen, but the difference between those two games is that Dragon Ball sold like six million copies. So niggas are gonna though, play it regardless. Yeah. So even though the the, the it did not have rollback. At all? Wait! Oh my God! Z sold six million. Yeah, I think it's more. I'm just thinking at the time when it was high. I think. uh, Oh, what is the final? I don't. I think it's like seven million. Somewhere between something like that for the uh, uh, final (laughs) tally. What the fuck? What? Yeah, it sold a lot. I mean, it was going to sell a lot. Eight million. Yeah, it sold eight million copies in total as of today. But the. so much money oh my god and that's not even including the dlc right well the reason there is dlc is because it sold so well and but so what i'm saying is that game has horrible netcode it has the same netcode that grand blue has because it's the same engine it did not have rollback but and and they were adamant that they were not going to add it and so that damaged the the game a lot but the in the player base is so huge that you could still and to this day you can get matches and they're half decent like they've done some things to like clean shit up but when your uh player base is tiny it means that you're most more likely to be matched against somebody you know in Japan or somewhere else in the world rather than someone who might be you know 400 miles away yeah. you know or 300 miles away which is uh, which is still pretty shitty but like that's why the game collapsed was because the net code was ass so if you look at the uh trailer for the so for basically the it was only sequel, worth it to like play locally yes which you could not guarantee because yeah. of because of the player base um and also you need good matchmaking no matter what in any fighting game because so you if a nigga at the gaming cafe is just wrecking niggas it's not really yeah, yeah. And, and you like it's a delicate thing because fighting games Nobody likes to constantly lose, right? Yeah. The What you really want is to constantly be riding that edge where you're winning about half your games and you're losing the other half, right? When you're learning to yeah. come up. The only way to do that is to have really, 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 really strong matchmaking, which is able to identify the abilities of a player and put you against people who are at your level. But in a way, you can write the best matchmaking algorithm on Earth if you don't have a big player base, then you then each of those little segments of player skill levels is not going to have very many people in it. Meaning that you either get matched with the same people Grand over and master. over again, or or even or like you get matched with the same small number of people, which is a problem for your net code because those people may not be distributed geographically in a way to guarantee good connections. Yeah. So that so that's that's one problem. The other problem is that if you if your matchmaking part is bad, you get the best net code in the world. If I'm getting my face pushed in 
by grandmaster players who can do one link, you know, OTG one touch kill one combos yes. off of like off of a single bar. I'm not gonna learn anything. I'm just gonna get frustrated that like I'm getting annihilated, and then I'm gonna put the game down. I'm never gonna pick it up again. So you see, there are these two giant problems. One is technical, and then the other one is popularity based or skill based or player population based rather that have to be balanced and Japanese fighting games already have a small audience in the West to begin with. Cause if you can play a grand blue, grand blue, I'm sure the, you tell me the, uh, the gotcha game, the mobile game, I'm sure is in like the top 10 of popularity. Otherwise they wouldn't be able to make all these other games. I'm assuming anyway, it's very popular. That doesn't necessarily translate to the fighting game. So they have to they have to do something to make sure that even if they can't have a huge community, that you can get a good game. And it looks like, it looks good. I like it. You know they have a Fall Guys based uh, mini games. They're adding to it too. Oh, is that this Grand Brews Legends? Yeah. Yes. What is this? It's, it's... it looks cute actually. I, I'm I'm down for oh, it. Oh, it looks like it's the avatars for the live fighting lobby. Yes, but you're like doing like Fall Guys stuff. Oh, oh, that's cute. Right, right, right. Now, see, I'm, this I'm is more in brand. I mean, but they're so Psy Games. Like Psy Games has no problem putting the money where their mouth is. Like they have mm-hmm. the money. Like <laughs> hands down, they have the, between. And it's not even just Grand Blue. Like they have so many successful IPs at this point. So yeah, I, we'll we'll see how that goes. And that's gonna release on PC also. Yep. So. I'll definitely be picking that one up again, even if it's just a play with like, you know, the beginning hype and see what happens. But you said the net code is better. So we'll see. But I don't, I'm just still not sure if the IP itself is, you know, disseminated enough in the global for it to like stick, stick around compared to everything else that's out right now. But I don't really know what the fighting game community is like on right now anyway well so. the fighting game community is ruthless and this year is gonna be really good for us um because we're getting a new, yeah because we're getting new street fighter this year oh we're getting new tekken this year we are getting all the Damn. updates for king of fighters which was really really good last year and looks to continue to be good this year we're getting grand blue that that's true we're getting the announcement i don't know if it's going to come out this year of whatever nether realms new game is going to be which rumored it might be injustice 3 um oh wow there hasn't been an injustice for a while yeah we don't know we have it's not clear what what the game is going to be um but we're getting a new nrs fighting game and i just think in general a lot of um, classic games have been um you know ones that have pc ports especially have been getting rollback netcode um, mm. either in a new release or added to existing releases. So it, it like I think fighting gamers are going to eat good uh, regardless. There will most likely also be an announcement of are the there Dragon enough Ball of them to um, sustain th- that's all a, those that's IPs? A good, that's a or... good question. I think that relative to all of games, it's still a niche. But yeah. it but the but again the IPs often sell themselves. Like I think um Mortal Kombat 11 sold 12 million 14 million. Yeah. Those are not all 
fighting game players no. who bought that's that nostalgia. Game. Oh, I played this game. I have right. I have it's a just system. fans. Fans of Mortal Kombat bought that yeah. game. Now, converting somebody who just likes Mortal Kombat into a fighting game player is difficult yeah and so a small number of those people are going to want to go online and they're going to want to get competitive same for street fighter street fighter people who are not in fighting games don't realize how fucked the street fighter ip was going back basically to when street fighter 3 came out like that was like street fighter 3 was the beginning of capcom fucking up street fighter and it it got a little better after the release of uh the, like the second release of Street Fighter 4. But you can just draw like, all these flops, all these games that just did not perform well and made the community upset, made people want to move to other games. But like Street Fighter 6, I think, is the first time in a long time that there's a there's big excitement, not just for the game being good, but also it being a game that's accessible to a large audience and looks very modern. Um, Tekken 8 is just going to be a very good-looking game. And I think Tekken sold, itself sold very, very well. So, you know, within the confines of how well a fighting game can do, you don't need to sell a million copies or you don't need to sell like 10 million copies to be a success and to live a long time. But you do, it's not enough these days to just show up and say, oh, we're doing a fighting game based on your fit. Like if Genshin Impact was like, we're going to do a fighting game, I wouldn't expect that to be enough. Yeah. To, it's not going to revitalize a community, even if it's sold a bunch of copies. The game has to be good, but the fundamentals, the online, the balance, like DNF Duel is kind of similar to Grand Blue in that mm-hmm. it comes out of a yeah like a like a, like a mobile game or a browser game yeah um it it actually did quite well um I like you know. the style the aesthetic of DNF right it did cost a shit ton of money to make it looked good it had a built in audience um it's gotten a lot of support the online was good pretty much from the beginning that's some issues with matchmaking so like all in all this grand blue sequel looks like they actually learned quite a bit and i'm sure there are still lots and lots of people i mean the first one sold pretty good like especially for it being like a budget game so like this one i think will probably sell better and it looks better and it's got better online theoretically so it's gonna be good regardless yeah cool so for recommendations, all I have for a recommendation this week is to go watch Digimon Ghost Game Evolutions. Oh, shit. Because they look so good. But I mean, Digimon has... I mean, yeah, Digimon has always looked good with their evolutions. But these are like transformation scenes. Like, but they're also the mega evolutions. But okay, let me be very clear. Go watch the mega evolutions of Digimon Ghost Game. There are three main characters, so there are only three of them so far. But the song that plays during the Mega Evolution and the evolutions themselves, some of the, the designs are cool. Oh, and um, fuck, the guy that voices Zoro is the voice of one of them. That's funny. So that's like, it's like, oh, Zoro's fighting this evil sphinx. Okay, <laughs> cool, cool, Digimon. Because literally niggas lit in the comments were like, that's Zoro. He's fighting. He's a dual wielder now. He's not tri-wielding. He's dual wielding. So, right. Either way, um, I actually just like discovered those today. Just ran it because I, I don't know how YouTube's algorithm works, but it just it put doesn't. it in front of me. <laughs> and I just clicked it and I was like, bitch, what is this? Is Digimon? What the fuck is this? And then went down a hole. So well, yeah, good. go watch them. They're, they're cool. Okay, well, then I'll just double down and say, go watch Digimon try 
It's great. Oh, it's I great still too. haven't watched Digimon Try. Oh, great, fuck. great. It's great. Um, and it's done. Yeah. Yep. Oh wow. Okay. It's just just freaking great, man. Damn. Like, I I I've recommended it before, so that I guess I'll I'll give something else. But like, man, it what a good great message. Animation is awesome. Um, if you are a fan of the original series, it's got something for you. If you've never seen Digimon before, it is its own uh, story, and especially mm. it's aimed at a slightly older audience. Like, no, I mean, people are getting like decapitated. It's not like that kind of adult, but it's like the writing. Wait, aren't they doing more with like the other generation, the second generation? Yeah, yeah, the one hundred percent. Okay, but but this one is about Ty. Fr- it's it, like it's focused on time, but like the themes are about getting older, but also um, how you relate to the people and the relationships that you left behind as a result mm. of getting older. And obviously, these are not—they're not middle-aged, but they are certainly like this. It's not—it's not—it's not explicitly a story for children. Wherein, like okay. Digimon can transcend that, but it is ultimately aimed at young people. Um, and this deals a lot with like the next step after being a young person, which I appreciate quite a bit. And it just looks great. And Digimon was always more engaging to me from a story perspective than oh, anything Pokemon ever did. So absolutely. So that's one thing. Another I'll recommend the Eighth Mobile Suit Team Blu-ray, which came out in 2013, uh, popped back on my radar very, very recently. Just a fantastic series. I think I've I've said before that if yeah. you're going to get an introduction to UC Gundam, um, that's worth a watch. Additionally, there is I forgot that there was actually like a 10 minute like um, OVA or special sort of mini episode that came on that Blu-ray that I I'd seen but forgotten. It's called like a battle in three dimensions. And, like, it's a little bit of extra content that fits neatly in between um, the early episodes of um, the of the series. And watching it just made me feel like, man, it is time for a remake. It's time for them to, to like, let's just get, give it the full remake treatment. Yeah. Because that was new. We Including got new. A- supplementary stuff? Yeah. Well, I mean, the so, there was, so there was, like, a movie that was um, something's report. It's, like. That when he when uh, Shiro gets arrested when he's on trial, um, they there's like there's a movie that is sort of summarizes what would have been. So Eighth Mobile Suit Team was actually supposed to be more episodes planned, but they cut it, and so it the the movie version has some scenes that are not included um, in the TV episodes. But I think this is high time since they're already revisiting. A lot of stuff from the original Gundam. Like, if you want to look at a series that would be a perfect vessel for exploration, maybe like you, like, there's gaps in the story that you could fill in. And, like, even watching that little 10 minute new episode that they put together in 2013, you just immediately get right back into the rhythm and the feel of, of Eighth Mobile Suit Team. And it's like, to me, the best, my favorite representation of the Gundam series, period. Like, I love it so much, and all the beats are there, all the, like, character interactions and, like, the visual storytelling and the mecha design and, like, the the gr- much more grounded combat. Like, it, it's all there in ten minutes. It's, like, a perfect pilot for a new... <laughs> 
a new A-Mobile Suit Team so, series. I would love it. This makes sense, though, because Witch from Mercury is a success. Yes. So what better time to follow up Oh my the, god! the end of, of Witch from Mercury being like, season two... All right, season three and four of Wish for Mercury approved. Also, yes. a Mobile Suit Team remake. Do remake. a movie. You do it. Do like a uh, do like Ooh, a Cuckoo's like Doan's Island or, like or Hathaway's Flash. Yes, they should do something uh, like Origins. Yes, there's so many things you could do with with that IP again or do more with. It is just so much fun to go back and watch it. So I'm just recommending. 8th MS team in general is just like a fun short watch but um, specifically go if you have access to it go find the Blu-ray edition or, or the stuff off the Blu-ray and watch uh, Battle in Three Dimensions. It's only 10 minutes um, but it's a good like this is what it would look like with modern animation because it was done in 2013. Okay. Alright. Yeah that's it for this week. So, you know, if you're watching, comment down below. Let us know what you thought of it. Otherwise, you can find us on Twitter, anime underscore savants, and then everywhere else on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube shorts. You can find us just regular anime savants and your podcast platform of choice if you're listening through, you know, your ears. Yep. Oh, yeah. Definitely give us a, a rating. Give us the old thumbs up, like, hit the bell if you are subbed on youtube there's been some weird stuff going around where uh subscribers are not having all of their subscribe channels recommended to them in their feed so that helps us out a lot um on that platform any other place leave a review you know however you feel or just reach out to us online i'm available on twitter at neural handshake all one word and yeah that's about it okay we will see y'all next time bye Peace out.